Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford sitting next to my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, it's Friday, our final show of the week leading up to Packers Raiders Sunday noon central time kickoff at Lambeau Field. So it's keys to victory day. Packers only play the Raiders once every four years. These uncommon opponents sometimes, it's hard to really gauge what exactly it's going to take. And certainly with the injuries that are going on with the Packers this week, and some for the Raiders too, for that matter, but certainly with Green Bay on the offensive side of the ball, where do you start with this one as far as what will be the key to coming out victorious here? It's really simple to me, Mike. Uh, this might be my simplest one of the entire season. I just feel like if Aaron Rodgers takes control of this game, the Packers win. I honestly feel like it's that, I don't want to say easy, nothing's ever easy in this league, but I think there's a very direct line between where the Packers stand today and where they want to get to by Sunday night, and it comes down to how Aaron Rodgers manages this offense and whatever weapons he's going to have around him. At the time in which we're taping this, we don't have the injury report yet. We're not exactly sure what the Packers are going to decide to do with those top three receivers, but even if one or two of them go, you imagine they're going to be dealing with some significant, not significant, but some hindrances. Yeah. So when you look at Alan Lazard and Jake Kumaro, Darius Shepard, Ryan Grant coming in the building on Wednesday, those could very easily be your top four wide receivers in this matchup. So making sure you get the most out of them, but also utilizing your running backs, your tight ends, that's what I think Aaron Rodgers has been such a brilliant maestro the last two weeks is making all of these pieces fit together. This Oakland Raiders defense, I don't want to diminish them. We certainly talked about them in our preview. They just don't do a lot of things that jump off the page. The way that they're winning right now is controlling the game, game management situations, time of the clock, and a lot of that relies on the offense. So I think if the Packers take care of business with Aaron Rodgers against Oakland's defense, they come out victorious. Well, a couple of statistics for that Oakland defense that stand out are where the Raiders rank in third down defense and in red zone defense, and it's not good. They're in the bottom quarter of the league. I'm not sure of the exact rankings, but they're in the bottom quarter of the league in both of those categories, and those are two categories, frankly, where the Packers need to get well on offense. Yeah. They need to start converting more third downs, and they need to be more efficient in the red zone. Obviously, the one red zone possession that they didn't get a touchdown. They were only trying to kick a field goal last week. So I don't want to lay everything on the statistics. But the Packers do need to, to perform better on third down and in the red zone, generally speaking. And this might be a game where you can start to turn that around. Yeah, and I think you've started to see it a little bit too. I mean, there was a real big narrative the first two weeks of the season where Packers just really weren't able to finish drives off. They were having problems scoring points in the red zone. In the last few weeks, I think you've really seen them get into their rhythm. Now, a big part of that, I think, is really the production of both Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. I think so, I too. I think you've seen them sort of you know, seize the game in the moments and you know, be able, and that's a credit to the offensive line, too, making things work. But when the ball has been in their hands inside the 20, they've more often than not found a way to score the football. And this is a game that, while Oakland has a top-10 run defense right now statistically, I still think there's going to be opportunities for both of those two guys to get going. And then, to be quite honest with you, getting back to the receivers really quick, you know, you get one big play here from Alan Lazard. You maybe make another one here or there with another player. You know, Mercedes Lewis came out of relatively nowhere last week to have two 25-yard catches. And those two catches alone had more receiving yards than he had throughout the entire 2018 season. So... When guys respond in that way and Aaron Rodgers finds them and plays in rhythm, which I thought he did really well in that last game, 
Uh, good things are going to happen for this offense. But, yeah, I think Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones has to be one of the big starting points for everything. Well, my question to you with regards to those two running backs, we've seen Matt LaFleur with the tendency to ride the hot hand the last yeah. couple of weeks. And now, obviously, two weeks ago, Jamal Williams wasn't on the field, but the Packers did have Trey Carson The decision was made up. for them. Yeah, <laughs> but they did have Trey Carson backing up Aaron Jones, but once Aaron Jones got going, it was his show in yeah. Dallas. You fast forward a week later, Jones has a fumble early in the game. He drops a touchdown pass down the seam. Jamal Williams seems to be the more reliable, productive right. guy with some of those four- and five-yard runs on first down. And he's the guy who ends up with over 100 yards and I believe over 130 yards from scrimmage when you factor in the receiving yards. What's your sense? Do you have any sense going into this game of maybe which is the guy, or do you just have to see what happens? It's a great question because coming off of the Philadelphia game, you know, it, it looked like, okay, well, you know, it's going to be the, you know, Jamal, or I should say the Aaron Jones show. The Aaron show Jones here. show, yeah, absolutely. And then Aaron Jones goes back to his home state, looks really good. And now here we are with Jamal Williams stepping back to the forefront. It's a really good position for the Packers to be in because I think a lot of times what happens with running back by committees or whatever you want to call those type of things, it's because you really don't have a guy who grabs the brass ring. I feel like both of these guys have done it when they've been given the opportunity. Now, I'm not going to try to get in the X's and O's and tell you, you know, I'm sure what Matt LaFleur and his coaches are trying to figure out, which is, okay, which one of these thunder and lightning matches up better with what Oakland does. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just got to get into a game situation, a game flow to figure that out. The one thing I do want to say, though, to Jamal Williams' credit is he is incredibly consistent. And I think some people in the past few seasons took that as a, you know, a detriment or a slight. It's really not. I mean, he's gone... 300 and some odd touches now without a fumble in his NFL career. He catches the ball. He's sturdy in pass protection. He runs through the tackles, and I think he finally showed his downfield explosiveness last week. Jamal Williams is a really good running back, man. I mean, in, in a lot of cases where teams who don't have an Aaron Jones on the roster, they'd be running Jamal Williams every single play. I do honestly believe, and I don't know how these guys feel about it, but you know they have another year on their contracts. When they get to the end of these things, neither one of these guys is going to be broken down and worn down and have a thousand touches on their bodies through four seasons. There's they. This is, I think, going to really make both of their careers last a heck of a lot longer. Very so, well could. Kind of getting away from the original point, but I guess you just got to get in. You got to wait and see. It's got to see how things develop. The one thing I will say that is kind of interesting about this particular combination. They do seem to get into more rhythm when one is featured. This doesn't, you know, they when they do the 10 carries, 10 carries, 15 touches, 15 touches, it never really seems like both of them, you know, have a big game or have big explosive plays. So I don't know how the Packers consider that. I don't know how you weigh it. Yeah. But um, that's certainly something they have to, you know, keep and take into account because both of these guys, when they get 25 touches in a game, can really make, you know, defense hurt. Yeah. And in the area of ball security, it's worth pointing out that fumble by Aaron Jones last week was only the second, second fumble of right. his career. So uh, even though Jamal Williams obviously has had none, it's not like this has been a problem for Aaron no. Jones. He had the one against New England last year on Sunday Night Football, and then the second one of his career was uh, last Monday night. And that broke a really long streak for him, too. I think that dated back to even UTEP of how many consecutive touches he had uh, without coughing up the football. So certainly Aaron Jones is going to look to turn things around. But even you go back and look at the performances they had before that, he was having a hard time getting traction. And then he just kind of broke out. I mean, that's just the way this game is. It's, it's humbling, and you just got to stick with it. Well, on the defensive side of the ball for the Packers, a couple of – 
statistics kind of catch my eye with regards to the Oakland Raiders offense, and specifically I'm talking about quarterback Derek Carr, in that through five games, he's thrown just three interceptions, not an overly large total, and he's only been sacked eight times. Right. This Packers defense obviously has thrived off of sacks and turnovers. That's been the name of the game when this defense is at its best. So it will be interesting to see just what the Packers can generate against this particular quarterback. What I will say, though, is that the last time this Packers defense did not have a takeaway, which was against the Philadelphia Eagles, they came back the following week with three interceptions of Dak Prescott and very easily could have had five interceptions of Dak Prescott in that game. Zero takeaways against the Detroit Lions on Monday night, so we'll see how the unit responds. It's funny, Mike, because the takeaway battle is certainly one that you always have to take into account. And I think we saw up until last week how much it really does dictate who comes out victorious in a particular matchup. The one thing that really strikes me, though, about the Oakland Raiders, I said this to John Kuhn when we were in the locker room on Thursday, they are very high percentage uh, with how they attack offensively. Uh, you mentioned Derek Carr doesn't have a lot of interceptions this year. They just don't take a lot of chances. Yeah, They are, in, in some ways, I think it's their simplicity is their brilliance. Uh, they're not going to try to just throw up 50-yard passes every single time. This isn't your old Al Davis Raiders no. with just speedsters on the outside yeah. and send them down and throw it long. By all means, get that ball to Darius Hayward <laughs> Bay. We're getting to the end zone. Right. No, it's not like that. I mean, they. the reason you know Josh Jacobs, I think, made so much sense for them is because he is. I mean, they have road graders up front. And he's a guy that can dictate the tempo of a football game, and they can move the chains. Waller, their their tight end, that's blossomed the last few, you know, this last few weeks. And in addition to him getting that extension, he's just a guy that moves the chains continuously. He's only averaging nine point six yards, you know, per catch. He doesn't have a touchdown yet. So like, it's just I, I think the way that they're structured is they want to be able to win the time of possession. You look at how they did it against Chicago, 34, 35 minutes time of possession. When they beat the Colts, 33 and a half minutes of time of possession. They were able to just take the ball out of the other quarterback's hands and find ways to win. So, yeah, takeaways is going to be huge in this game. The Packers turning that around when they get an opportunity to make a play on a Derek Carr ball, take advantage of it. If you can punch a ball out, great. But ultimately, I think it's really going to come down to who makes the most of however many possessions they are because if you're the Oakland Raiders, they're trying to have as few as possible in this game. Yeah, well, when you talk about the time of possession, obviously, for the Raiders, a lot of that is going to hinge on their rookie running back, Josh Jacobs, from Alabama. The Packers seem to get their run defense back on track against the Detroit Lions after a few questionable weeks as far as the way things were going. Do you have a number in mind at all as far as what the Packers need to hold Jacobs to, so to speak, or some kind of a range where you'd feel comfortable with how this defense is performing in this matchup? Yeah, because the thing is, is he's going to get touches. Yeah, uh, that that's you know he kind of like the Zeke Elliott problem a few weeks ago. If he gets touches, you know he's going to get yards. I just want to see it be manageable. I want to see you be at a 3.4, three-point yards per carry clip okay. where he's not burning you for a big number downfield. Because I think, you know, if you followed them close enough this year, Mike, I mean, okay, so they, they lost to Kansas City. He had 12 carries for 99 yards. The one team that kind of neutralized him was Minnesota, 10 carries for 44 yards. And if you, as you, we both already talked about, Oakland played themselves out of that game in, in U.S. Bank Stadium. Yeah, so, well, just that. He only had 10 carries exactly. in the game, and he's your feature running back. But now these last couple weeks, you look at this, 26 for 123, 17 for 79. 
he has a 51-yard carry, so it's not like he's not an explosive-type player, but a lot of his damage is done with a high of 16, with an high of 18, just because of the way he carries people and the way that those interior linemen block. Now, again, getting back to the injury report situation, we don't know how this is going to pan out here with Trent Brown and, and who's going to all be available for them at tackle, but inside... That is going to be an area where John Gruden and this offense is going to look to go to work. So if you're the defensive front, they had a tremendous performance last week against Detroit. I think they got some confidence back, got some of that, that swagger and mojo they were looking to get. Okay, now you're going to see a type of athlete here in Jacobs that's really going to test that. And a big offensive line. This is a Huge. different, this is a different uh, style, size of offensive line than what the Packers faced against Detroit. The Raiders have built themselves big up front, as you say, to control time of possession, to try to pound the ball. When John Gruden, when he wants to run the ball, or when he feels his team needs to run the ball, he wants to be able to execute it that way. Just line up and say, okay, here we come. And that's what they built this offensive line to do. This is where they kind of get a bad rap because when you trade away Khalil Mack and you trade away Amari Cooper and you trade away these superstar type players yeah. and, and people that you know are casual fans but have Cooper on their fantasy football team are going to raise an eyebrow about, nobody really talked about the fact that they invested heavily into the offensive line to the point that that is honestly one of their strongest positional groups on this entire roster because so frequently, Mike, people think of the quarterback, they think of the running back, they don't really think about who's playing right guard. Raiders didn't go that direction. I mean, they got Richie Incognito out of retirement. They signed Rodney Hudson last year from Kansas City. They have real legitimate guys in the trenches that can move the football and I think that is what has sort of allowed them to play the way that they have this first half of the season and to their credit be at three and two going into this game at Lambeau yeah well looking at what else is on the slate in the NFL in week seven there's a big game in the NFC North and that is I believe it's at Ford Field I'm going to look here for you yes it Vikings, is at Ford Field the Vikings are traveling to Detroit. So Minnesota at four and two. Detroit at two, two and one. The Lions obviously on the short week coming off of a very frustrating loss and the billboards of the referees in Michigan and everything else that's been going on with that. But it's a big game in the division because uh, um, both of these teams looking at it from the standpoint of they need to try to keep pace with the Packers, who only have one loss at this point, and the Packers looking to go 6-1 and one if they can beat the Raiders. So uh, a key game in the division here, Minnesota versus Detroit. I am sure you're going to want to talk about all these matchups, but I mean, I think more than any other week on the schedule, this is the biggest gut check for divisional matchups in the NFL this week. Uh, just in terms of, yes, you have Minnesota and Detroit. I'll be happy to talk about that in a second. You have the Bears having to make a really big change here going up against a team like New Orleans who have just been rolling through people right now with Teddy Bridgewater as their quarterback. And that defense. And that defense. So yeah. NFC North-wise, there are huge stakes this week. I think that's one reason why the Packers look at this. You're at least going to get one loss conceivably. This is a chance to really create some breathing room in the division. But you have Philadelphia and you have Dallas. You have Baltimore going into CenturyLink against Seattle. That's you, a really interesting one. As far as an AFC-NFC matchup, the Baltimore Ravens going into Seattle, really, really intriguing ballgame. And here's the other thing, Mike. The New England Patriots are going up against the New York Jets this week. 
I know everybody's going to say, all right, we'll see on Monday morning at 7-0. and Yeah, you were you were laughing about the Cowboys-Jets being the, uh, the prime, not primetime, but the 325 yeah. like national game. Turned out to be a whale of a game because Sam Darnold, suddenly the New York Jets look like a different team with their quarterback. If Sam Darnold's on the field <laughs> and everything's cool with his spleen, I mean, that guy can play some football. Yeah, and they, that just shows you, again, how quarterbacks can change things. Yep. I just wanted to get all that out there because yeah, I think the no whole question. stakes – for this week in the NFL are huge. The Minnesota Vikings going into uh, Detroit. Here's the thing where the Lions really got to dig down deep in this matchup because I, I'm not blaming it all on that loss last year against the Vikings, but I did feel like Packers got that bad taste in their mouth after the officiating against in that game, mm-hmm. and it never really seemed like they were able to wash it. Can Detroit come out and get a victory at home against a team in the Vikings that two weeks ago wasn't looking so hot and just, you know, get back on the tracks, so to speak? Mm-hmm. This is going to be a real interesting matchup to watch from that aspect. And also seeing, you know, we saw the way that Detroit played Aaron Rodgers, for better or for worse, they were not able to really get the, the passing game going downfield. How do they handle Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, and what appears to be a very rejuvenated Vikings passing attack? Yeah, that's the thing. And now we we talked before about the Vikings took their show on the road and got a road win against the New York Giants, but this is a whole different type of road trip for Minnesota here because – Quite frankly, their offense didn't look that good when right. they came to Lambeau Field in Week 2. Now they're going on the road to face another division opponent, so a big test there. But you also mentioned, obviously, the Bears against the Saints. It's huge. That's um, critical. Really, really interesting game. The Bears still waiting to find out or at least uh, haven't announced yet whether Mitchell Trubisky will be back at quarterback or if they're still going to go with Chase Daniel. Big blow to the Bears, though, that Akeem Hicks, their big defensive lineman in the the middle of that defense, the guy who I thought really made that defense quite good before Khalil Mack arrived, Akeem Hicks has gone on injured reserve and is out for at least two months. They're thinking maybe he could still come back um, towards the end of the year, which maybe he'd be back when. I was going to say, so it's week seven right now, right? So yeah, if, be able if, he, if he comes back, his first game eligible would be when the Bears play at Lambeau Field in the middle of December. But that's a big loss for Chicago's defense to, uh, to not have Hicks. And the Saints now taking their show on the road with Teddy Bridgewater and that defense that has uh, really clamped down on pretty much every team it has played against. Really, really interesting NFC showdown there. So the question was asked in Insider Inbox. I don't know if you saw it, but basically who should Packer fans root for in that yeah, matchup? Yeah, I saw I, I answered that question as well. What, what is your thought on that? Can you explain your rationale? My, my, rationale, my rationale is that I just think this NFC North with all the teams involved, because all four of them, I think, are are still very much in this thing and could be right. in this thing for a while, that I think you just have to root to for what helps you in the division right. first. That's kind of my feeling. And if the Bears pick up another loss here, it'd be their third loss. I think that's good for the Packers, even if it does mean the Saints are are six and one and still sitting, uh, you know, on top of the conference or near the top of the conference. It's still just too early, and your best path to making any kind of a playoff run, whether you get a first round bye or not, your best path to a playoff run is to win your division, because then you know you get at least one home game in the playoffs. Yeah. And so I just think for right now the focus has to be on the division, and uh, any team in the NFC North, 
playing outside the NFC North, you, you got to hope for that division team to lose if you're a Packer fan. Yeah, because the thing is, you're going to have plenty of weeks that you could root against the New Orleans Saints, you know, for the mm. next two and a half months. Uh, just trying to hope that, you know, the Packers, if they end up being in a position to make the playoffs, win a division, have a bye, you know, that they would come through for them there. The divisional matchups, though, as we've seen, Mike, I mean, these things can fluctuate so quickly. And the other thing is, too, is that if the Bears would happen to beat the Saints, well, then you have a Chicago team at 4-2 and two that's feeling pretty good about themselves. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a big difference right now between 4-2 and two and potentially 3-3 three and three right, with what Chicago's been dealing with. No so, question. And the Bears are coming off a bye, and uh, obviously they, they came back from London, a tough loss in London to the Raiders, but had a week off now to reset, still figuring out what exactly is going on at quarterback. But... Uh, this is a big game for Chicago. All right, I want to pivot very quickly just to talk about Philadelphia and Dallas. How yeah. quickly the tables turn, though. <laughs> uh, one of these, I, I, you're talking about how the difference between four and two and three and three feels. Philadelphia, who's again come out of the gate slow, and Dallas, who came out of the gate as fast as any team could, one of those teams is going to be three and four. I know. Who would have thought after seven games that either the Eagles or the Cowboys would be below 500, but that's the reality because one of these teams is going to be 3-4 and four after Sunday. Yeah, and it's funny to me because from Dallas's perspective, they had some quote-unquote jobbers early in their, uh, you know, their season, you know, job squad. WWE reference, you probably don't know what that is, but no, um, you know, just they had some, uh, you know, Brooklyn Brawler types that they were able to okay. kind of beat up on, get some wins earlier in the season, some Barry Horowitzes, uh, and I think these last three weeks, I don't want to say it's exposed them because I still think there's a lot of really talented players on that team, but it's changed the narrative with them a little bit. Now the questions about Jason Garrett's job security have come up. A lot of things to figure out there. I still Philadelphia is confusing me now because I did think when they beat the Packers that that was a team that was much better than their record suggested. I thought so too. But they are so inconsistent week to week that when a team is talented but inconsistent, what does that usually end up being, Mike? Eight and eight. Yeah. Right. Maybe nine and seven. Ask Bart Starr's Packers in the early eighties. I mean <laughs> yeah. that's that's where it lies. Philadelphia's defense just is not good. It just it is not good. And offensively they have not been able to be consistent well, the, enough to yeah, be able to the, the Eagles the just got torched last week by the Vikings and the deep passes to Stefan Diggs. And that just makes you wonder, okay, well, what are they going to do against Amari Cooper? Because Amari Cooper went crazy against yeah. the Packers with the double-digit catches and 200-plus yards and all of that. So, But the bottom line is first place is what's on the yeah. line in the NFC East because uh, nobody in that division as of this moment is above 500. And the best part is the New York <laughs> New York Giants are sitting there. All right, come on, Arizona Cardinals. You know, yeah. coming to East Rutherford, we get this win. We're suddenly a game out from right. the lead in the division. Exactly. NFL's crazy, man. Quick thought. Ravens at Seahawks. Who do you think wins that one? I really like Seattle right now. I just Russell Wilson is playing at an MVP level. He is. He's playing really and well. He has some really interesting weapons there. Defensively, I think they've held up. I it's gonna be a real big test for Lamar Jackson. I just think they're not as invincible is maybe we thought earlier this season and i just think right now seattle green bay new orleans and san francisco are sort of setting the standard here early on in how to win team football the so. thing that impresses me the most about the seahawks so far and i know we have to go is that they keep finding ways to 
pull out games right at the end. They're yeah. in these close games, fourth quarter. They're down by a score, maybe just up by a couple of points. They keep finding ways to win, whether they're home or on the road. You know, the home one against the Rams, the road one at Cleveland. All of these tight games, and they uh, they keep coming out on top, and they're 5-1. and one. They've got another uh, a big home game against uh, Lamar Jackson. It will be an interesting test for that Seattle defense. Yeah, and I, th- I look at Baltimore's defense, too, and historically they've been really good. I just don't – I have real big questions about whether or not they're going to be able to stand up to the threat that Wilson's going to throw at them. Yeah, all right. Should be a fun weekend of football, and with that we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow – all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. Subscribe to us, like us on iTunes and other podcast services. On Twitter, you can find him at Wes Hod. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time. <laughs>